This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. You know, I just continually, every time I come out here, I'm just amazed at this band. They really do it. They bring it for me. I'm going to just confess that the answer to Chuck's question for me was that we ordered out for pizza for Easter dinner. And, and actually, if you're, if you're going to be serious, the highlight of Easter for me began at Easter. I came back from the Philippines just a couple of days before, so I was actually completely jet-lagged and like, is it really Easter? And then it started to really click for me, and it has clicked deeper and deeper and deeper for me all week. And what's that really about? Well, it's about the subject of our talk today, which is resilience. Think about it for just a minute. Christ rose from the dead on Easter morning. That's what Christianity is all about. And I would say that that is a definition of resilience I have a slide here from Webster's Dictionary. There it is. Webster says, the ability to become strong and healthy or successful again after something bad happens. Well, isn't that Easter? Right? And and all of us, because of this, get to experience the big resilience, if you're going to put it that way. The resilience of someday... Our bodies are going to give up, and we are going to pass over to the other side, and God is going to resurrect us. We are going to be alive. We're going to be who we are. We're going to feel love like we've never felt before, and we are going to walk out and serve in a more real capacity than we've ever been able to do on this earth. Isn't that resilience? Now, part of the metaphor for me, because I think that this is really what Christianity and New Church is all about. It's all about resurrection in different kinds of ways in our life. And I just wanted to share a personal story with you. I just want to alert my wife, personal story coming. And I did clear it with my kids, so she knows it's okay. Um... When my daughter was 10, this is our oldest daughter, so, you know, we're still figuring out the parenting thing. My daughter is suddenly confronted with what was an autoimmune disease. And if you've ever had to deal with something that's an autoimmune type disease, they are so difficult to figure out, and they're just nasty. So if you can put yourself in a 10-year-old body and psyche... And imagine what it's like to have your immune system decide that your hair was not welcome anymore and it started attacking her hair and her hair fell out. A 10-year-old girl in school, for us as parents, that was a difficult thing. So we're dealing with all the doctors, trying to figure it all out, trying to figure out, well, what's the remedy to this? And it's really, really hard to know, even today. It's like... There isn't one course of, uh, like, medical uh, path that you're going to follow that's going to reverse it all. So we're trying to figure it all out. And, of course, every night when the kids go to bed, my wife Avin and I are just, like, in tears, right? 
So uh, at one point, I'm like, hmm, I want to ask my daughter, what was this like? What is this like for you? Like, how does this feel? How do you hold this? And she at the time was, she's a gifted rider. So she loves to ride horses and she's very, very gifted. And her response was immediate. And she looked at me and she says, you know, in life, it's like in a riding ring. And there are little jumps that you go over with your horse. And there are medium jumps. And then there are really big jumps that you go over. You know, those big ones, you're kind of like terrified, right? Okay, yeah, that's cool. So in your life, which, which jump is this autoimmune thing? And she says, well, it, it's a medium jump. Like, whoa, out of the b- mouth of babes, that's incredible. And, uh, you know, we were just stunned by that because it was a pretty big jump for her parents, I'm just going to tell you that. And thankfully, we, we were able to figure out what the deal was and it resolved and, and things have been great ever since. But for me, the point is that when we're talking about resilience and we're talking about resurrection, we're talking about all kinds of things that come up in our natural lives. And I guarantee that all of you will have little jumps, medium jumps, and yes, big jumps. Sometimes those jumps are bigger than what we can possibly imagine that we could do on our own, and we really need God's help to get over those jumps, and that's the way it is today. So we have a guest speaker today that is going to help us, and he's going to talk about some of that and his life journey with some of the hurdles in his life, and I'm going to invite our lacrosse coach, Rob Forster, to come out and introduce him. Hello, everyone. Um, I want to thank Dave, uh, Chuck Blair, um, for allowing me to come up here and introduce an old buddy of mine, Mark. Um, I want to Thank Mark and Danielle Hertzlick, the rest of their families, for coming today. Um, We all really appreciate it. Um, I was fortunate enough to know Mark growing up um, during our childhood. We played lacrosse together um, on travel teams and then against each other in high school as well. Um, The one thing I always remember about Mark on the field is how fierce of a competitor he was. Um, You can tell by the mohawk, he was the same when he was a kid. Um, He would run through a brick wall, right, for his team, um, being able to succeed. Off the field was a totally different story. Um, Mark is one of the kindest, most caring individuals you could ever meet, Um, soft-spoken. He's an absolute great guy, even though we called him the bear. Um, uh, one quick personal story that actually just, just recently happened. Um, so our lacrosse team, I'm the lacrosse coach here at Academy of New Church. Um, we suffered a tough loss two weeks ago. And our team morale was, was very low. Um, and I called the one guy that I know that could help us, which is Chuck Blair, who's never had a bad day in his life. Um, and he mentioned and came up with an idea that we should come to his New Church Live building for lunch. Um, and meet with him, um, and he had some words of wisdom for the kids. Um, So we went there, we went to lunch, our team came, um, 
and we sat down. Um, Chuck showed Mark's story, um, some clips of the story that ran on ESPN. Um, we talked about what it is to be courageous, um, what courage is, um, really putting lacrosse in, in perspective um, in everyday life. Um, we talked about being resilient, um, and, and we used Mark's story to kind of really figure out what, what matters in everyday life and what it means to be resilient, be courageous, um, whether it's, you know, something that goes noticed or something that goes unnoticed. Um, but it's, it's very important to, to always try and find that medium. Um, so with no further ado, I would like to introduce Mark uh, Hertzlick, everybody. Uh, let's give him a big hand. Hello. Pardon me for a second while, while I set up real quick. Came out here with my own table, own water bottle, and my prop notes. Perfect. All right. So did everybody have a great Easter? Yes. Awesome. Good. I'm glad you guys can respond. That's fabulous. That'll help me out a lot. Um, so yeah, so um, I, we, we were talking about you know, what we did for Easter back there, and it was really, I had a fantastic Easter. It was a little bit untraditional. Um, we were, Danielle, my wife and I, we were in Hawaii, um, which wasn't terrible, first of all. Um, but then we got to go to this like really cool, big um, Presbyterian church, and the, the, the music was beautiful, uh, and um, it was different than we had gone to, and it was, it was kind of neat that um, there was kind of a change-up. You know, we, we go to the same church uh, pretty much every Sunday, and having something new and something different, but something true, uh, was kind of refreshing. So um, hopefully I'll be able to kind of give you guys a little bit something new, um, but... Um, take you back a little bit before our Hawaii trip. So we were in Hawaii. This was our honeymoon. We got married in May. Um, but, thank you, I heard a clap. <laughs> See, you guys are alive. There you go, all right. We got married in May. and do, do, So um, I play football for the Giants. So pretend it's the Eagles and clap. <laughs> um, but... Uh, during the season, we couldn't go anywhere, so we waited till till May, or we made, waited till uh, March, and so we were in Hawaii for three weeks, and it was unbelievable and fantastic. Um, so let's go back three and a half weeks, um, and we're two days out before we're ready to go on our trip. And does anybody use Pinterest? Does anybody have that? Hands, yeah, a couple people, Pinterest. Okay, so if you don't use Pinterest, um, it's an app, a mobile app on your phone, iPhone or Android probably, um, and you go on there and you see a bunch of different things. And there's the one one particular subject that I love to scroll through. Um, anybody know what DIY stands for? Do it yourself. Do it yourself. And basically what it is, there are projects that, okay, you look at them, oh, cool, like this new kitchen, this looks fantastic. Do it yourself. Great, I could do this, fantastic, let's do it. So one of them in particular was um, building a closet and redoing a closet. And I have, so I, we, I had wanted to redo my closet for a very long time, and then this do-it-yourself popped up on my Pinterest, and I said, okay, cool, let's look at this. I tapped on it, sent me to the link, 
And it gives you a little list. It's like, all right, materials. And it had a bunch of them, and I was like, don't have any of those. And then it said, tools required. And I looked at them, I don't have any of those either. And then it said, it said experience required. Um, and it said intermediate. And I said, maybe, but that was a definitely not either. And then, and the last part was, it said time to complete task. Uh, and remember, this is two days before we were leaving for Hawaii. It said a week. Didn't have that time either. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Why not? It says, do it yourself. I'm going to do this. Perfect. My wife, Danielle, she is a first lieutenant in the United States Army. And, yeah, that's cool. cool, cool. And, and so she's in the National Guard. And, th- and so that weekend before we left for the trip, she had work. So she had to go um, down to her office and, and do work. And I said, okay. So if I propose this idea to Danielle um, about do-it-yourself closet, she will tell me that it's a terrible idea and that I cannot, in fact, do it myself. And so I decided to wait till she left for work. So she left for work. (laughs) She left for work, and I immediately uh, got in my car and went to Home Depot. Um, And I think my idea was look at the material list um, and look at the directions um, and figure out how to do it better because I have so much experience in this that I could probably figure out, eh, well, it says I need this many. I'll get double that, and it'll be extra strong, and I can hold up all my clothes on one bar. <laughs> so I come back with the entire piping division of Home Depot in the back of my car, <clears throat> and wood and boards and everything, and I get it up to my bedroom, and I look in my closet, and I say, oh, shoot, there's all these clothes in there and already clo- hangers and everything, that has to come out. So I got everything out, and by the time I got everything out, I said, man, I need to repaint this. So I repaint it. Um, right about the time where I started painting, the door opens, and Danielle walks in from work. And she go, she comes upstairs and looks in the guest bedroom, which now has become my closet, and there was crap everywhere. Uh, and she goes, what did you do? And I said, Danielle, don't worry. I'm going to be able to finish this by the time we leave. By the time we left, I hadn't gotten any further <laughs> than that starting to paint process. And so I'm getting I'm packing and getting ready and you know I'm rushing around and Danielle and I are having a conversation. Um, it's not an argument, it was a conversation. <laughs> and and she said she said to me, she goes, why don't you ever listen to me? I'm always right. You couldn't do it in two days. It takes a week to do this. You don't have any experience. And she's laying out all the things that I already knew, but I just wanted to ignore that I kind of wanted to do on my own. And I said, oh, you know what? But I thought it would be faster because I was going to do it my way. I was going to do it the way that you know I thought was going to be stronger and better. And yeah, I didn't have any tools, so uh, I borrowed some, and I just bought a bunch of other ones that I probably will never use again. And she said... Just stop thinking. Stop thinking you can do this and just listen to me. And so I did. Um, And I listened to her and it was too late. 
because I had already started. So now I needed to finish it. And guys, this was this was March fourth. It's not even close to done yet. Um, so, but like that came up, and I kind of wonder, like, how many of us do that same thing with God? Now, in your minds, and in Danielle's minds, mostly Danielle's mind, I just compared Danielle to God. <laughs> and she is feeling okay. I'm not doing that, so God is better. I love you. Um, he is. But how many of us do that? Where God says, this is what you should do. And we say, hmm, that sounds cool. I can do that. But I'm going to tweak it. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do it my own way. Well, that doesn't really work. And so today I'm going to title this message, Shut Up and Listen. Shut up and listen. Sometimes we need to just shut up and listen. Um, kind of the first point of this is that when I went through my sheet, my do-it-yourself thing, when I thought I could kind of do it better um, than God had planned, and I had the list and everything, when we're trying to seek God and seek his kingdom, we don't need to go on Pinterest to find a do-it-yourself. It's in the Bible. We have the blueprint. You have the blueprint. So don't try to be the architect and design it yourself. Just be a builder. And build your life in the way you want it. And when we look at, when we look at what this blueprint is, we have the Bible. We have the Word of God. But look around you as well, because you have the people sitting next to you. You have your community. You have a support system. You have your church. And what that becomes is that becomes this scaffolding, this base, this layer of design that is built in. It's already there, and it is the best way. God doesn't write... God God doesn't write out a blueprint for you and say, you know what, this is probably going to be pretty good, but if you can think of something better, let me know. He doesn't do that. He pretty much says, I'm, I'm the best. I am God. So what I say is the right way, and it's the best way. And so as we go through, and, and that's, kind of, that's our journey, that's what we want. We want, I, I just want to be walking next to Jesus. I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. And the way to get to that salvation is to follow that path. The next kind of point is that when I looked at that sheet and it said intermediate experience needed, and I had none. Guys, you, you don't need any experience to follow God. You don't need anything in your past Experience-wise, you don't need to be, oh, you know, I, I read the Bible 17 times. Does that make you a better Christian? No. I'd never read the Bible once. Does that make me a better Christian? No. 
You can do it without any experience. And guys, my story, I'll kind of touch on that. I grew up in Wayne, Pennsylvania, kind of right down the street. I, As Rob said, I played lacrosse with him. He was, I think he gave me a, more assists in lacrosse than anyone ever. He was the unbelievable passer, and I was just, like he said, I thought I could run through a brick wall, but usually I landed on my back because I was shooting. Um, and I grew up and I went to church and I, it was a, kind of every Sunday I would go when I was little and once I got an option not to go to church, I did not go to church and I used Sundays for football and watched the Eagles. And at that time, Donovan McNabb was on the team and they were going to like three straight NFC championships and now the, they can't beat the Giants at all. So, <laughs> so I understand maybe you guys do want to go to church because it's tough to watch them right now. Um, but... I kind of, I, I had a little basis and I kind of knew like, okay, you know, I'm in church, I, I, I believe in God, but I don't really know what it is to be a Christian, so you know what, I'm not going to go anymore. Um, well, let's kind of fast forward that, I'm, I'm in college, I'm at Boston College and I'm uh, a junior and I'm having the best season of my life in football and uh, I'm up for all these awards and nominations and ACC Defensive Player of the Year on Mel Kuyper's draft board is the top defensive player in the country. Looking at what the guys before me had made in their contracts, looking at what I was going to get, and and I was running around campus. I thought I was a big shot. You know, I was getting all the girls' phone numbers at the bar, and you know, kind of being myself. I had created my own plan. Um, and it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Well, shortly after that season, um, I realized that the plan wasn't going to work super well. I started feeling a pain in my left leg. Um, and I got MRIs done and x-rays done. And I'm pulling in the driveway from one doctor's office about to go to another doctor's office, and I get a call on my cell phone from the first doctor, and he said, Mark, are you with your parents? I said, yeah, what, what, what's going on? He says, we got your MRI results back from your leg. You and your parents need to go down to Pennsylvania Oncology Department right now. And I turned to my dad, I said, Dad, we gotta, we gotta go to Pennsylvania Oncology. He said, that's cancer stuff, right? And he looked at me and he kind of tried to reassure me, like, I'm sure it's precautionary, I'm sure it's nothing. And we drive into Philadelphia and are sitting in the waiting room and get our name called and we go into the doctor's office and I'm you know, sitting there on that plastic table with you know, a little roll of paper right across it that crinkles and rips every time you sit on it. I don't know the purpose for that actually, but anyways, I was there. My parents were on my right, and I remember through the back door on the left, a doctor walked in, and actually not one doctor, four doctors walked in. And while one doctor was putting my MRIs up on the screen, another doctor started speaking to me directly and said, Mark, I'm very sorry. You have a large tumor in your left femur, and we're pretty sure it's cancer. I was 21 years old. 
the top of my career in, in athletics, I was perfecting my own plan. And hold on a second. Hold on a second. It was a humbling experience. It was an experience that rattled me. It shocked me. But I, I, I look and go to a passage in, in Job 36, 5, 15. This is from the message version. It says, It is true that God is all-powerful, but he doesn't bully innocent people. For the wicked, though, it's a different story. He doesn't give them the time of day, but champions the rights of their victims. He never takes his eyes off the righteous. When things go badly, when affliction and suffering descend, God tells them where they have gone wrong and shows them how their pride has caused their trouble. Shows them how their pride has caused their trouble. And I'll tell you what, I was proud of myself. I thought that I had done everything that I had accomplished. And I remember coming home from the doctors that day and laying in my bed and feeling like, why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? I did everything right. I did everything right. And I realized that it, it didn't matter what I was doing because I wasn't following the blueprint that God had for me. I wasn't following the path that he had laid out. And at that point, I, I started kind of racking my mind and kind of feeling despair and, and, and sorrow. And in an instant, at the time, I don't know what it was, but everything changed. One minute I was feeling sorry for myself and and, and blaming everyone I could, and then the next instant, I said, okay, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to beat this cancer. The doctors, when they had diagnosed me, told me that I would never be able to run again, that I would never be able to play football again. I was going to beat the cancer, and I was going to play football again. I was going to do it. But like that do-it-yourself project, I had no idea how. I had no idea how. Well, I go through my first bit of chemotherapy. I'm in three or four days in, and I get a call. My cell phone rings, and it's a random number from Texas, and I don't usually pick up random numbers, but for some reason I did. And I picked up and said, hey, what's going on? This is Mark. Um, and they said, I know I called you. Um, and I said, okay, well, who are you? And he said, my name is Walter Musgrove. Um, and he told me a story. He was a football player down in Louisiana and in college. He broke his collarbone the day before the championship game. He cursed God. He said, why did this happen to me? And I'm listening. I said, oh, man, I feel I, I know your pain. And he said, but then I started praying. 
And I prayed specifically. I prayed every single day, every single minute of the day that I would be healthy, that I would be able to play football again. And what Walter didn't know at the time was that that collarbone that he broke, the MRI from that collarbone fracture, led the doctors to find a large tumor in his lungs. God had kind of tapped him, said, look, man, you got something going on. We need to have them find this. And they found it. And his prayers increased and got more powerful. And God lifted him back up and said, you can play again. And you can go out and do the things that you love to do through me. He grabbed hold of this opportunity that God had put out there. And and when he told me this, he said, Mark, I don't know if you pray, but you need to start. And I said, okay, I guess so. And I went back home and I remember that that first, the first prayer was, it was a little bit rough. It was a little bit like I was writing in my diary. It was like, Dear God, this is Mark. It's been a while. I don't know if you remember me or not. Really hope so, because I need you right now. And every day, that got louder. And every day, every morning and every night, I prayed the same prayer. I prayed that I would beat cancer, and I prayed that I would play football again. Through chemotherapy, through radiation, losing all my hair, gaining weight, no athletic ability anymore, God kind of knocked me down. Knocked me down. And I kind of had that plan I had, this, this, this man that I wanted to be was no longer there. I thought that being that man meant I had to be strong and powerful and physical and, and rich and, and, and attractive Well, now I was none of those things, and I was lost, and I kept praying, and I kept praying, and it felt like uh, nothing's really getting super great right now. And I remember one day specifically, I'd come back from chemotherapy, this was Halloween, and again, I had no hair, no eyebrows, no nothing, and my buddy was like, dude, you should come out to a party, it's a Halloween party, like you can dress up, it'd be great. And I was like, yeah, I'm tired, I don't want to do that. And they said, I don't care about your chemotherapy. Toughen up, put on a costume and come out. My friends were awesome. They, they just kind of treated me like nothing was wrong. Appreciated it most of the time that day. I was like, mm, I don't know. I said, look, I don't got a costume, so I don't want to go out. They said, dude, you're bald, you got no eyebrows, put on a white shirt, you're Mr. Clean, let's go. And I said, hey, good point. So I, Mr. Clean and his buddies went to the, uh, went to the party. Um, and at that party um, is where I met my companion, uh, Danielle, who uh, was dressed as a cowgirl um, along with all her friends. They're all cowgirls. And um, I remember meeting her that night and being like, man, this, this girl is pretty cool. Girl's pretty cool, and I got her number, and that's pretty cool. 
Um, and I patted myself on the back a little bit and called her about three or four times that night with no answer. Um, and then about three or four times the next night, no answer. And that kind of continued for about a week. And then finally she answered and was like, what do you want? And I was like, I want to take you to dinner. And she said, okay, that's nice. And so I said, meet me at the cafeteria. It'll be perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll use my dad's money that he put on my Eagle Bucks card, and we'll just, like, go right through. Well, somehow she came, um, and we went to dinner. And later that night, we, we kind of were back in, in her room, and, and um, you know, she was feeling pretty comfortable uh, with me. I was feeling comfortable with her. I thought she was a pretty awesome girl. Um, and she was like, we were talking and talking about life, and, and she said, you know, I, I kind of want to tell you something, but I don't know if I can tell it to your face. I said, okay, that's, that's fine. Uh, whatever it is, that's okay. And so I turned my back to her, and she starts telling me a story about her childhood. Um, and... She told me how her, her father was, was abusive uh, to her while she was younger, how he would call her names and, and, and degrade her, tell her that she wasn't worth his love, physically hurt her, emotionally hurt her, and left her feeling inadequate. And she continued the story and, 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 and kept talking and describing the, the real pain and, and atrocity that I couldn't even imagine happening. And, and when she was finished, she kind of turned back to me and said, do you, do you think of me any differently now? And I looked at her and I said, Daniel, honestly, I, I do. I think you're amazing and so much stronger. And the funny thing was, was that in that moment, every single ounce of confidence, every single manly quality that I thought I had lost, I realized that being that man wasn't about those physical things that I had wanted, that I that looked for, that the riches, the power, the, the being the, the man I wanted to be and God's plan for me was being a man that cared and nurtured and made those around me feel safe. And so Danielle and I continued dating for a long time and now we're married, so that worked out. <laughs> Thank goodness. But at those moments when we feel like we're down, like we are the lowest, like we have lost all sense of identity, we remember that passage that says, he never takes his eyes off the righteous. When good things go badly, when affliction and suffering descend, God tells us, God tells them, where they've gone wrong and shows them how their pride have caused this trouble and those who learn from their suffering 
God delivers from their suffering. Again, in John 14, 26 through 27, God talks about the Holy Spirit. And God talks about what the Holy Spirit is and who the Holy Spirit is. He says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to you the remembrance that I have said to you. So God's basically saying, don't worry about remembering every single thing that I'm saying right now. That reading the Bible 17 times, that's perfect. But be open to that voice in your head, that Holy Spirit walking alongside you who will bring you help when you're down, who will bring you the knowledge and remembrance that you so look for in those times. And God talks about helpers kind of a couple times in the Bible. And the other time that God talks about a helper is when he creates woman. In Genesis 2, 18 through 24, then God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper for, fit for him. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Sometimes when you forget who God is, what God wants for you, you have to listen to that Holy Spirit. You have to be listening to that Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is from God. Sometimes when you forget what it is really to be a man, what's really important about being a man, sometimes you have to look to women. And I truly believe that God put Danielle in my life to remind me what a true man is about. Because as the Holy Spirit is from God, is a piece of God, a woman is a piece of the man. It's from man. Not to help us do laundry and the dishes and, you know, mow the lawn and pooper scoop, because Daniel does not pooper scoop at all. <laughs> We've got two dogs. They're amazing. We'll talk about it at lunch. Um, but God doesn't care about those things. He doesn't care about dishes. The entire Bible, the entire blueprint, all it is is trying to lead you to salvation. Make you become a man after God. So when he says a helper fit for you, he's not meaning a helper for your daily chores. He's meaning a helper for the one thing he cares about. The one thing that matters to God. A helper to become a man of God. A helper to become a man of God. And as Danielle said so eloquently to me when we were talking about the closet, you just need to shut up and listen. Shut up and listen. And it's true. It really is true. We look at, in, in Job uh, in Job 33, 19 through 22, 
Job is kind of in the process of, so for those of you who kind of, uh, you know, skipped over that part of the Bible, Job is um, a man who is in the kind of highest favor of God. God is basically talking to all the angels, being like, dude, look at this guy. He's awesome. He's like a cool guy. He loves me. He follows my every word. Um, and Satan, the angel Satan, is kind of being like, okay, he only likes you because you have given him a good life. And God's like, I bet not. I bet he actually really loves me and follows me. So he's like, do whatever you want to Job. Just like, don't kill him. And we'll see how he responds. So Job gets sick and loses all his money and all his family goes away. And he is kind of isolated and alone and and really lost. He's at the point where everything he does hurts. Everything is physical pain. And, and he, he kind of is like, I got nothing left for you. I got nothing left. And right about this time, like his buddies come over and they're like, man, I know you're not doing well. And Job's like, this is the worst. It's like, you know, I'm feeling terrible. And, you know, it's kind of like, like a group of girls at a lunch table and like Amanda just got prom queen and Katie thought she was going to be prom queen and was like, all of a sudden our friend Amanda, I hate her because she got something I don't have and now I'm feeling down in the dumps and then all of Katie's friends come around to like, and Katie's like, man, you know, Amanda, she's awful. Like she doesn't even care about me anymore. She got nothing. I'm like so sad or whatever. And her friends are like listening along, like, yeah, you're right. She's terrible, awful, whatever. And then one friend is like, hey, you know what? I mean, it's not that bad. Like you kind of, you know, you, you didn't do enough like in the community. You didn't like, you know, do all your homework. She should be prom queen and not you. So like relax. And then all the other girls like, yeah, you're right. Amanda is not too too bad. She's pretty good. This is kind of what happened with Job and his friends. So Job is like, man, God hates me now. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I'm sick. I'm hurting. And God's doing it to me for no reason. I deserve a fair trial. Come on, God. Let's go to the courtroom and let's hash this out. And his buddies are like, no, you know what? God is the best. God is awesome. Instead of cursing God, you should follow God. You should pray to God. You should ask for God's forgiveness for what you've done wrong. And Job's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong at all. And then this one guy, he, he's, he's the son of one of the guys, and he's younger, and he said, yeah, I'm, I didn't speak up earlier because I'm young, and I you know, thought you guys probably knew what you're talking about, but realize you don't. Um, so his name's Elihu, and Elihu says in Job 33, he says, he's talking about kind of how God might tap you on the shoulder, kind of like when Walter got hurt or, you know, I got sick. He said, God might, God might get their attention through pain by throwing them on a bed of suffering so they can't stand the sight of food, have no appetite for their favorite treats, they lose weight, waiting, wasting away to nothing. Reduced to a bag of bones, they hang on a cliff edge of death, knowing the next breath may be their last. 
Sound familiar? That's how Job was at that point. And we look at these times where we feel terrible, where maybe we're abused, maybe we are sick, maybe we are suffering. It's not because we're being punished. It's because it's an opportunity to follow God and find that direction, to realign ourselves with the initial blueprint. And it goes on to say, but even then, an angel could come, a champion, to take up your cause, a messenger who would mercifully intervene, canceling the death sentence with the words, I've come up with the ransom. That may be phrasing. Before you know it, you're healed the very picture of health. So there's hope. There is hope. That's one of the things that, that, that started to get lost on me. As I was doing chemotherapy and in the hospital day in and day out, I believed that I could get better, but the hope started to fade. And Walter called me an angel, a champion came into my life and picked me up. Danielle showed me what it was to be the man I wanted to be. And, and we learned from Job that because you think you are righteous, because you think you are without sin, if you think because you're rich, you're better than someone else? If you think because you're poor, you're worse than someone else? If you think because you're strong enough to hit someone and push them and knock them over and show your aggression, show your power? If you are think, if you think that because you are sick, God is punishing you and you don't deserve his glory? Stop thinking. After Elihu said this to Job, God came in and God said, you know what, enough. And Job listened as God spoke to him and, and, and told him the vast, the vast miracles that he can perform. And Job answered and sped, said, I am speechless. Now this is amazing because Job had just ran on for Chapters and chapters and chapters of the Bible, talking, talking, talking. Job answers, I am speechless in awe. Words fail me. I should never have opened my mouth. I've talked too much, way too much. I'm ready to shut up and listen. We need to get out of our own heads. We need to shut up sometimes and listen to what God has for us. And the best part about all of this and being a Christian is that you'll never have to worry about doing a do-it-yourself do project alone ever again. Because God is always with you. 
Jesus is always with you. The Holy Spirit is always with you on this earth to help you in whatever it is that you need. He will always stand by your side in 1 Peter 5-7. to said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you think God doesn't care for you, doesn't care for you if you're good, doesn't care for you if you're bad, he gave his son, his son, anybody have sons in here? Anybody have daughters? Gave their kid to die. To die. With the, like, it wasn't like, hey, here, let's see what happens. He was like, here you go, you're going to die for us. For us. And later on in Deuteronomy 31.6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Don't fear or tremble before them. Because the Lord your God will be the one who keeps on walking with you. He won't leave you or abandon you. Never think that because you have done wrong, that because you have no experience. That because you're like, ah, you know what? I, I, I have messed up. Do not think for one second that God isn't still with you. That he isn't just one prayer away from entering your life. And changing everything. Your blueprint is still there. All you have to do is ask to be back. So, kind of in conclusion, you know, I am not saying that I was more righteous than anyone else when I was sick. I'm not saying that I was saved because I'm better than anyone else. What I was able to do and what Job was able to do and what people every single day are able to do is see that their despair is an opportunity to follow God. It's an opportunity to confess your sins, to squash the pride that you have in yourself and put that pride in the work that God has done. God sent me, Daniel. God sent us all the Holy Spirit and Jesus to die for us. And for that, we all are thankful and we all are blessed. And today, as, as we realize that blessing, I want to close in prayer and if you wouldn't mind bowing with me, your heads and closing your eyes. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for the miracles that you have shown on this earth. Thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us as your people. Thank you for your son that you have given to us to die, to forgive our sins and to give us an opportunity to walk with you every single day. Dear God, please know that when things go bad in our lives, when we stumble, when we trip, when we fall, when we are sick, when we are in despair, when we are knocked down, 
that will not deter us from your grace. It will only make our prayers go stronger. And please lift those of us up right now who feel that. Guide us to you. Let the Holy Spirit live inside them and Jesus walk next to them to show them the blueprint that you have planned for their life. Amen. Thank you, guys. So, I think that speaks a lot of uh, how everybody feels. I want to really thank you for coming. And I just wanted to say a a little personal note, and that is uh, really because uh, your dad, who's down here, has had a lot of connection with this community through his work, there have been a ton of people that are here today that have been holding you in prayer for a long time. And I just love how God has led you. So thank you so much. Well, well thank you. And, and the power of prayer is unbelievable. You know, I think we kind of say it casually sometimes, like, oh, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. Really do that. And ask people to do it. It, it works. It really well, does. I would say one other thing is, don't just talk to him, but listen to what he might have to say to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we've got our song. close in a minute with a prayer, but I just wanted to add just two little reflections. And I know a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff that requires resilience, and I invite you to to take a little time this week in prayer. And a part of it is, uh, there's this message in the book of Revelation, Christ says, he says basically, see, I'm making everything new. See, I'm making everything new. And that applies to you as a human being. Everything about what God is, is to help recreate you or regenerate you, help you be recreated into something new or someone new, more human than you've ever been before, wiser than you've ever been before, gentler than you've ever been before, more able to actually meet somebody where they are with love and enjoy that experience. That's what it means to be a human. So when you think about resilience, never think about going back to the way things were because as human beings, we never go back. When we heal It's a healing forward. God leads us constantly forward. He rebuilds us. He regenerates tissue. It's new tissue. Everything is new. So you actually never go back to the way you were before. You move forward into someone that is better than you were before. And so think of it like this, that God is creating you to be the human being that he, he wants with all of his love that he wants you to become. And that is the true healing. That's the true resilience. And I'm going to invite you guys to come out for prayer. And I just want to close with this 
a passage from Jeremiah which has always meant a lot to me. And this is God for you. And this is his sense of hope for who you can be. Here it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. He will prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's my prayer for you. Let us bow our heads. Lord, we turn to you as the author of all our lives, the one who keeps our hearts beating, the one who opens our minds, the one who allows us to connect with other people, people who we could never even expect or anticipate getting to know, and yet you create a spark of love and life between us. Lord, we ask that you open us up so that we can receive your healing, that we can grow, Not that we can go back to some old state, but that we can move forward to be more in your image and your likeness. Help us, O Lord, become more human. Help us use that love to touch the lives of others. Amen. Now we'll have a moment of silent prayer. You can say the Lord's Prayer yourself, or you can pray for the... Have that little speech with God and listen to his reply. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.